Good morning, everybody. You may be seated. My name is Brandon Reynolds. If you don't know me, I am the preaching intern here this summer. I'm so grateful to get to be with you again this morning, bring another sermon from our Desperate series. But first, I want to address last week. Many of you turned in your burdens. Many of you dropped them in the bucket in hopes that this church would be praying over them this week, that the staff and the elders would be bringing them before the Father, and we have. As I went through your burdens, many of them are heavy. All of them are too heavy for you to carry alone. So I'm very grateful for the vulnerability and the love that was presented in your willingness to deliver them up to us. So, I want to start today with a story. My story is about a young man. This young man was asked to deliver a sermon to a church. He got really excited about this sermon. And so he, he decided to do a visual aid. And he was really, he, he worked on it really hard and he built it up. And it was kind of the big thing of the service, this big visual aid. Everything revolved around it. And he was super excited, and he began this sermon, and he was really getting into it. And this young man did something very foolish. He referred to his girlfriend as a brick. <laughs> Not only a brick, a burden. Well, as you can guess, that young man found himself in a rather desperate situation. I am that young man, and this week I have been constantly reminded of the fact that I am desperate. Desperate for what, you may ask? Desperate for forgiveness. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Sarah was a really good sport about it. But there have been many times in my life where that desperation for forgiveness has been real. Where I have said the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time. Where I have gone and done something so unbelievably unintelligent that there was nothing I could do but come to the person I had wronged and beg for forgiveness. I had messed up. And I was up a creek. And forgiveness was not something I deserved, but it was something that I was desperate for. I think we've all found ourselves there. I think we've all, as we've gone through this life, found ourselves in some situation where we maybe, maybe we said the wrong thing, or maybe we did the wrong thing. It doesn't matter what it was, but we found ourselves in a situation where our only hope was that this person would give us grace and forgive us. Because there was nothing that we could do to earn their forgiveness. The ball was totally in their hands. We had dropped it. And we were desperate for forgiveness. Today we're going to be looking at a story of a man in the Bible who finds himself in this exact situation. He has wronged many people. And he hears about this man who's going around preaching forgiveness, and he sees a little bit of hope, and he's willing to do anything 
to get it. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Zacchaeus, which is found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Go ahead and open up your Bibles there. Luke 19 begins as this. He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. We get two very important pieces of information in Luke 19 too. The first important piece of information is that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. I don't know how much you know about the tax system in ancient Israel. Israel was under the oppression of a nation called Rome. I'm sure you've heard of them. And they were very powerful. But Rome did not see it as fitting to have Romans go and collect taxes from the Israelites. So what they did is they would enlist Israelites. They would find these people, and they would say, hey, we have a job for you. It will require you to betray your people. It will require you to betray your religion. It will require you to betray everything that you have known and loved. But you will have power, and you will have money. And a lot of these Israelites would compromise everything that they had known, everything that they had loved, for all of this power and money. Zacchaeus was one of these men. But he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. He was in charge of all of the tax collectors in the region surrounding Jericho. He wasn't just a mafioso. He was the boss. He was the Don. He was the godfather. Everyone reported to him, and he was in charge. And let me tell you, he was rich. See, that's the second important piece of information, because it meant that he did his job, and he did it well. He robbed every person in the region surrounding Jericho, nickled and dimed them, left, right, and center. He had wronged everybody. And robbed everybody. Not only would he go and take the taxes to go to Rome, nah, he'd command his guys to take a little bit more, take a little bit off the top for themselves, make sure that they're comfortable, make sure that they're in a good position. Zacchaeus may have had money, Zacchaeus may have had power, but he was despised by everybody. There was no worse person in the ancient world than a tax collector for the Romans. And he knew it. Everybody hates him. He has no friends. He has no family. His family would have rejected him. His parents would have said, you're not our son. His siblings would have said, you're not my brother. He had no religion. Because he had betrayed Israel to join the Romans, he was no longer allowed in the temple. He had no way to worship. He had nothing except for money. And money grew real thin real quick. But he hears about this man named Jesus. A man who's a friend of tax collectors. And this man is coming into Jericho. And in verse 3, it says this. And he, meaning Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. 
So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. I want you to imagine this scene. A grown man. A feared man. Imagine Robert De Niro from The Godfather. Running and climbing a tree. It's not a dignified scene. People who are feared don't climb trees. Children climb trees. Yet he is so desperate to see somebody, not even to talk to him, just to see a man who cares about him, to see a man who might give him a chance, that he doesn't care about his status. He doesn't care that the people fear him. He doesn't care about his reputation. He runs to this tree and he climbs it like a child. He looks like a fool, but he doesn't care because he is so desperate for someone to see him and maybe for someone to forgive him. Well, he climbs this tree and I'm sure Jesus sees him off in the distance And he realizes, oh, that's the guy I came here for. And so he goes over and he he looks up at him and he says, hey, come on down. Now, I'm sure you can imagine Zacchaeus' frustration at the fact that he had just climbed the tree and now he's being called down. No, he's not frustrated. He's ecstatic. You want to know why? Someone had spoken to him. Imagine how long it had been since someone had acknowledged that Zacchaeus was a human. We get caught up in that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Sure, that's fun when you're a kid, but when you get to be an adult, the value of this story, the I mean, just the foolishness of climbing a tree shows how desperate this man was. He was in dire straits and he had no hope other than this man named Jesus. And Jesus comes to him and he talks to him. And Zacchaeus scurries down again like a fool, like a kid. But he doesn't care because he's so overwhelmed with joy. And he receives Jesus joyfully. But where there's joy, there's always the onlookers. And when they, meaning the crowd surrounding, saw it, they all grumbled They all complained, and they said, he has gone in to be the guest of a a man who is a sinner. You can just imagine it. Jesus going up to that tree and everyone saying, does he know who he's talking to? And even more, he asks to stay at his house, and then suddenly the nose gets a little higher, the chin gets a little higher, and they say, oh, this guy's not quite who I thought he was. I thought this guy was righteous. I thought this guy was a smart teacher, but he's going, in, he's going to the house of a tax collector. He's going to the house who robbed me. That dude robbed me, my neighbor, and everyone around. And this is the guy that he hangs out with? And they turn up their nose. And the pride is ever clearer. Notice the difference in the attitudes between the crowd and Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus is so overwhelmed with joy that he acts like a fool, and the crowd is so obsessed with their pride that they still can't even see him as a human. And Zacchaeus was a bad dude. They had every reason to hate him. He needed forgiveness, but they weren't going to give it. And so when Jesus does, it's confusing. And it's crazy. And they look at him and they grumble. Well, that's not where it ends. Jesus does go to his house. And this scene happens. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have, defra- if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Restore it fourfold is interesting, but I want to go to an Old Testament scripture that makes this make sense. Go ahead and go to the act. Yeah. If a man steals an ox or a sheep, And kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a man robs his neighbor, he shall repay him fourfold. Well, Zacchaeus isn't just doing that, he starts by giving half of his possessions away. But what he is doing is admitting his sin. He is admitting that he has robbed everybody. He is admitting that I am a sinner. I am in need of forgiveness. He's not saying, oh, I'll do this because the law says I will. Or, oh, I'll do this to make this Jesus guy happy. He's saying, listen, I know I messed up. And to show my heart... Not only will I give half of my possessions away to the poor, which is good enough already. No, I will pay back everyone that I robbed, everything that I owe them. He's radically changed. He goes above and beyond the legal requirement. And he doesn't hide his sin. No, he admits it. Still, in contrast to the crowd that looks on and looks at him and says, oh, he is a sinner. Not we are all sinners. And Jesus, at the sight of this scene, says this. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Salvation has come to this house because the man who was desperate for forgiveness has finally found it. And he won't find it in any of the people of the crowd, but he has found it in me. Because because Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek Zacchaeus. He came to seek the people who are on the fringes. He came to seek the people who are desperate for forgiveness. And he finds them just like he found Zacchaeus. But there would have been a man following Jesus, one of his disciples. And I think he he sees this situation, and it's beautiful. While everyone else looks on and judges, he sees this situation, and he remembers. Because the fact is, this isn't the first time Jesus has spent time with a tax collector. There's a man named Levi Otherwise known as Matthew. Many of us know him as Matthew. He wrote 
the book of Matthew. And he's one of the disciples of Jesus. And he has a very similar, very desperate story that we find in Luke as well. In Luke 5, verses 27 through 32. Luke 5, 27 says this. After this he, being Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Saying, I haven't come to people like you. People who are self-righteous, people who think, they've all got, who think they've got it all together. I haven't come for you. I've come for people like Levi. People like Zacchaeus. Who are so desperately aware of their sin. That running toward forgiveness is the only option they have left. The tax collectors and the sinners versus the crowd. And the crowd stands tall and stands righteous and says, we've got it all together. We've got it figured out. There's nothing wrong here. But that Zacchaeus guy, he's a sinner. That Levi guy, he's a sinner. We don't participate in that. Why is Jesus going to them? And Jesus looks at them and says, they're the reason I'm here, not you. Levi and Zacchaeus have absolutely no choice but to face the reality of their sin. It's made ever present to them by every waking moment of their life. No one loves them. No one will talk to them. Everyone reminds them every day about how worthless they are and how bad of a traitor they are. Their sin is abundantly clear. But the crowd, oh, they're not sinners. They're the righteous. They're the ones that Jesus didn't have to come for. And they look on and they judge. And they feel comfortable and they feel safe. But the reality is, deep down, they're all in the same boat. The reality is that every character in both stories except for Christ is in deep need of forgiveness. Some just aren't desperate for it. The crowd needs forgiveness just as much as Zacchaeus does. The Pharisees need forgiveness just as much as Levi does. But they turn their nose up and they sit there in their pride and they say, look at them, look at that sinner. How dare Jesus go to them? But Jesus can come to me, I'm just fine. Yet Jesus seeks the ones who are so desperately aware of their need for forgiveness that they have nowhere else to turn but him. The crowd thinks they're okay. The crowd thinks they're fine. The crowd doesn't see the change that needs to happen. But Zacchaeus, man, he sees it. He knows that he is bad. He knows that he has wronged everybody. And everybody knows it. He can't hide from his sin, but the crowd can. 
and the Pharisees can. And they can stand in their self-righteousness and look down upon Zacchaeus. And look down upon Levi and say, they are sinners, but I'm okay. They are up a creek, but I'm okay. They are desperate, but I don't have to be. Because I'm doing all right. This presents a difficult conundrum for us. Because the fact is, you fall somewhere in this story. And the question that I have for you is, who do you identify, identify with in these stories? The tax collector or the crowd? Where do you fall? Are you the one who's so desperately aware of your sin that any chance of forgiveness, you're grasping at it? Or are you the one who has forgotten that you even need forgiveness? Well, the reality of this story is that Christ would rather you feel desperate for forgiveness than not realize that you need it. Christ would rather you be broken because of your sin than not realize that it's there. And I all too often fall into the trap of not realizing that it's there. Zacchaeus has the benefit of not being able to escape his sin. A lot of the time we are able to escape the consequences of our skin, to escape the reminder of our sin, and we get comfortable. And we sit back with the rest of the crowd, and we look out into the world and we see all those sinners. And we point a finger at them and say, those are the people that need Jesus. Those are the people that he needs to go to. He doesn't need to come to me. And yet Jesus comes to you and says, you need me just as much as every one of them does. You were desperate for forgiveness yesterday. You are desperate for forgiveness today, and you will be desperate for forgiveness tomorrow. But how often do we fall into the habit of the crowd? How often do we fall into the habit of feeling like we are okay, feeling like we are enough, feeling like our sin isn't real? But man, those people out there, once we, the people outside of the walls of this church, oh, they're desperate for forgiveness. But me, I'm okay. I'm sitting in here. No one in here could ever be desperate for forgiveness, right? And it convicts me. Because I stand here from my ivory tower. And I turn my nose up at all the people out there living lives that I think is crazy. And yet Christ comes to me and says, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten that you're just as desperate for me as they are? Have you forgotten that you're just in need of my salvation as they are? And the conviction runs deep. Well, that's a hard truth. And it leads us to a hard question. What do we do? Once we realize where we fall in this story... Whether you're in the crowd or whether you're the tax collector, it leaves us with the question, where do I go from here? What do I do? 
I want to offer an answer to this question for both people. For the one who falls into the crowd, what do you do? Get desperate. Zacchaeus is so desperate for forgiveness that he's willing to look like a fool. He's willing to look crazy. Levi is so desperate for forgiveness that at the drop of a hat, he leaves everything that he has ever got, everything he's accumulated, and instantly follows Jesus. And when we sit in the crowd and we look and we judge, Jesus comes to you and says, Get desperate. Remember your sin. Remember your need. Remember that you aren't enough and do anything to see me. Do anything to come to me. Be like the ones who have nowhere else to go. Get desperate. Be willing to do anything to find Christ. Be willing to do anything to experience a relationship with Christ. Stop being so complacent and be desperate. And once you are desperate, for those of you who identify with the tax collector, what do you do? You receive Christ joyfully. Throughout this entire story, Zacchaeus and Levi both receive Christ in the most joyful way possible. In Luke 19.6, it says this. It just straight up says it. So he, being Zacchaeus, hurried and came down and received him joyfully. He climbed down that tree. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't confused. He, he didn't care. He was happy that someone was there to see him. And he received Jesus joyfully. He was overcome with joy. Levi does the same thing in Luke 5.29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. Levi throws a party. He is so grateful that this man has called him, that he gathers all his friends and he gets a great feast together. He's excited. He's so happy he throws a party. Because the fact is, when you are desperate for forgiveness and you find it, man, joy is the only response. And the fact is, if you are desperate for forgiveness, if you identify with the tax collectors, Jesus is where you find it. And when you receive him, you receive him with joy. Because that forgiveness has finally come. But that might not be super practical. So what does it look like to receive Christ joyfully? Well, if we look directly at the story, step one is to restore the relationship. Zacchaeus goes and does this in Luke 19, 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He might be admitting theft here, but what he's doing is saying, because I have found forgiveness, I'm going to go and do this thing. Zacchaeus isn't sad doing this. This isn't like when my mom would come and get me and say, go apologize to your brother. And I would mope over there and say, I'm sorry. 
No, this is Zacchaeus saying, I'm sorry, guys. I messed up. But guess what? I found something so infinitely better. I will do anything to restore my relationship with you. And he's excited and he's joyful because he has a future ahead. Where a future with Christ, where he can be forgiven, where he can have joy. He's not ashamed here. He's overwhelmed. And it leads him to do anything he can to restore his relationship with these people. If you have hurt somebody, if you are desperate for forgiveness, because you have been forgiven, go and take a step to restore relationship. Now, they might not forgive you, but Christ has. And his forgiveness is the only one that matters anyway. And step two is to boast in Christ. This is where we've been heading. For this whole series, everything culminates in boasting in the one who is strong enough, in boasting in the one who forgives you. And it takes us to our theme verse, which says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because I get to champion the one who forgives. For when I go to the people who I have wronged and say, I understand that I'm desperate for forgiveness. I understand that I couldn't do anything to make this right. But there's someone who came to me and forgave me even though I didn't deserve it. We can go out into the world and we can boast in our need for forgiveness. Why? Because we found it in Jesus. We found it in the one who forgives you, even when you don't deserve it. Would you please pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your nature. We thank you for the fact that you forgive us. And God, we are all desperate for your forgiveness. We are all broken. We are all sinners. We are all unredeemable if it were not for your love. Yet your love calls us forgiveness, calls us forgiven. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help us to go through our lives this week living as those who have been forgiven, living as those who have been redeemed, embracing the joy that comes with your forgiveness. Thank you so much for who you are. Help us to boast all the more in your son this week. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Forgiveness is hard. Being forgiven is hard. It's not always easy to accept. But there is one waiting here who would be overjoyed for you to accept his forgiveness today. If you have never heard of this guy named Jesus that we love to talk about, man, we'd love to talk about him more. And we'd love to talk about the forgiveness that is waiting for you. If you're in a situation where you're desperate for forgiveness, 
There will be ministers at the front. The elders will be at the doors. We would love nothing more than to pray with you, than to spend time with you, and to remind you of the one who forgives you when you're desperate.